If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast. This is our 2023 PGA Championship In-Depth Research Pod. It's episode 258. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams. Join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this year's second major championship. Hello, gents. Afternoon, boys. Afternoon, boys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website where we will have my in-depth betting preview available Monday the 15th of May. Paul will be chipping in with alternative markets and first round leader tips later in the week. We have our unique major championship form statistics. I want to go into a little bit more of that later on. We've got PGA Championship form stats combined with current form stats plus our brand new spanking predictor model. Our PGA Championship optimizer will be available on Monday morning UK time. All of it, of course, free of charge. There is no paywall at Golf Betting System. Available on Twitter. If you want to fa- fa- uh, follow Barry, he's at a good good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. If you're listening to this on the YouTube channel, press that like button. Now you guys as listeners power this podcast so we need your five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. I'll do you a deal. Best review that comes in between now and Tuesday, I will read it at the start of our PGA Championship show, which will be the next episode. Now, this one came in via email again. I listen on Podbean, and there is no five-star review option. If there was, however, I would say, and then we get the five-star review. Unequivocally, the best golf betting podcast out there. Tuesday mornings are actually worth looking forward to, knowing that a fresh episode from Steve, Paul and Barry awaits. Even my kids know that Tuesday is the day we listen to the guys with the funny voices talk about golf in the car instead of the radio. The tips are well-researched and well-reasoned. The lads win and lose with humility and humour. The subtle bias towards the UK and Irish players on tour always makes me laugh. Keep up the great work. That is from Patrick in Canada. We love it. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Thanks, Patrick. Do you really think we um, we've got this bias towards uh, UK and Irish players? I know. I know we've all backed uh, Seamus Power this week, um, which we won't particularly mention where he is on the leaderboard after a day. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think we? Uh, do you think we go down that route, Barry? I think my wallet would indicate that I do, for sure, yeah. <laughs> Were any of us on Justin Rose when he won at Pebble Beach this week? No, this year? no. Were any of us on Matt Wallace when he won? No. But you Too were on short. Matt Fitzpatrick, weren't you, at the RBC, you guys? Fitz, yeah. 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 There you go. 
I think the sample size is a little bit bigger than that, and probably yeah, I would say it's probably one. quite true. <laughs> there, there might be a little truth in there, but uh, you won't see the weather forecast for the PGA Championship. We might be on a few more. <laughs> yeah. I've got exciting news, chaps. Do you want to hear it? Go. On. After six years and over two hundred and fifty episodes as an independent pod. Golf Betting System podcast has been nominated for Favourite Betting Podcast in the Smart Betting Club Awards. Naturally, we are overjoyed and humbled to have been nominated, and we sit amongst a plethora of big-budget media and operator-produced podcasts, which I have to say myself, for three lads that do this on a very tight budget, I think we should, uh, we should say well done to ourselves. So, of course, we have a humble request for you, the Golf Betting System podcast listeners. To support the pod, please take the time to vote for us. I have placed a link near the top of this podcast description or simply search 2023 Smart Betting Club Awards. The online questionnaire takes three minutes to fill in and we'd appreciate each and every one of you who cast a vote for the Golf Betting System podcast. Don't delay. Please vote for us today. Exclamation mark. There you go. What do you think, boys? Brilliant stuff. Oh, it's this is lovely to get some uh, some external recognition. Um, whether that was nominated by some listeners um, as part of the kind of preliminary process to get down to turn to a shortlist, I'm not quite sure. But um, whichever way, um, it's great to great to be included with it. So yes, please vote. Don't delay. Please vote for us today. I actually came up with that about 10 minutes ago before we started oh, yeah. recording the podcast. I was very pleased with it. You're wasting at this. Uh... I think I could work in one of these swanky London uh, advertising agencies with you creative stay, yeah. juice like that. <laughs> Back in the 1950s when that was <laughs> yeah. first coined as a phrase. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair comment. Right, let's get down to business, shall we? We're recording this podcast at noon on Friday prior to the PGA Championship week. I'm saying that because right now there is only one live market to bet with, and that is Boyle Sports, who are first to go live with their main PGA Championship main outright market, which is eight places each way at 150 odds the place. They will also have their pick your place facility available where you can choose between six. 10 or 12 places each way at 50 odds for Oak Hill. Even better, for those of you who don't have access to a ball sports account, Golf Betting System podcast listeners in England, Scotland and Wales can take advantage of their £25 in free bets bundle offer for those of you 18+. plus. Full details of this new customer promotion plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's are available in the podcast description. Right, let's run through... The current prices that our uh, friends at Ball Sports are offering in their live 2023 PGA Championship market. Right, okay. John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, 15 to 2 joint favourites. Rory McElroy, 11 to 1. We've then got three at 20 to 1. They are Patrick Cantley, Brooks Kepka, and defending champion Justin Thomas. 22 to 1 sees, Paul, you know who this is going to be. 
Who's at twenty-two to one? It's got to be the X-Man. The X-Man. That is that is his price, isn't it? Twenty-two to one. Come every single come time. rain, come shine, come hail. Xander to Chauvelet, twenty-two to one for a major. We then got Cam Young at twenty-five to one. Tony Finau at twenty-eight to one, along with Victor Hovland. Thirty to one, Matt Fitzpatrick and Colin Morikawa with Jordan Speed. I was surprised to see Colin Morikawa at twenty to one, at uh, thirty to one, to be honest. Mm. Uh, in anti-post markets, if you look, he's twenty to one pretty much everywhere. So he's been jumped to thirty to one with Boyles in their live market. We've then got Sung J Im at thirty threes along with Cam Smith, and then forty to one shots, and there's lots of them. Sam Burns, Jason Day, Max Homer, Dustin Johnson, Shane Lowry. Hideki Matsuama, 50 to 1 bar. That's where we are. That's the first live market for the 2023 PGA Championship. Mm. A bit slow this uh, this time round, aren't they? We normally send two or three by by this point on a Friday, but uh, perhaps they'll pop up over the rest of Friday and over the weekend as well. Potentially. Talor Gooch. Is it Talor or Taylor? You tell me it's Taylor. I'll still call it Talor anyway. Is it Taylor Gooch or Taylor Gooch? I think you can call him what you like, Steve. Uh, your I pronunciation do. probably doesn't matter massively. Um, I think we know. Yeah, he's a fifty he to is. one, fifty to one chance with Tyrrell Patton, Tom Kim, and Sahith Tigala. Mm. Any names ringing any bells there with you, Baron? In terms of players that you might be interested in backing. I've. I put one bet on earlier this week. I was watching, you know, flick, flicking around the channels, caught the highlights of the week, last week's event and saw a couple of shots of Hatton. And just with the digestion I've been doing on the course, it feels like you kind of need everything singing in your game. It doesn't feel to me like any one particular skill is going to like separate help you separate from the field. He's just been playing some really good golf. A little bit further digging in on that. He's eighth in the data golf rankings. And I saw, I said, right, well, let's go investigate a bit further. And he's 66 to one, which just, to me, that's a big mismatch. So I put an anti-post on 66 to one. And But other than that, I'm still percolating on other options and other golfers. It's going to take a few days, the weekend to kind of, Settle and see where I land. Mm. Yeah, I guess with Hatton playing this week, there is the potential that he produces three good rounds from where he is now. And uh, yes, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, he was one of your one of your additions after well, both yours and mine teams got decimated this week with uh, with withdrawals before the uh, before the start of the events. But yeah, I well, we'll see how he gets on. But yeah, if he if he finishes well, then sixty six will be a price that's long gone by by Monday I expect. It does seem generous doesn't it? Hmm. 50 to 1 Hatton 66 to 1 Tommy Fleetwood Wacky Neiman Patrick Reed, and Adam Scott yep yeah Scott's played started well as well wasn't he this week playing nice golf isn't he hmm. should we talk about the course yes this year we are moving from Oklahoma, Tulsa, Southern Hills. We're going to the East Course at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. 
My uh, my friend, my new friend Andy Lack, who uh, is on the Inside Golf podcast, he uh, he 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 lives a lot of his life in Manhattan, and he told me the other day off mic that it takes about four to four and a half hours to drive from Manhattan to Rochester, New York, which is right on Lake Ontario, I believe. It isn't actually a million miles away from Toronto, the other side of the water. Now, I'm talking about the geography of this, not because I got A at A-level way, way back, but because I think the geography of this golf course is something that we need to bear in mind this week. Uh, the designer of the course is Donald Ross. It's a 1925 original. I've got to say, I love this golf course. The more I watch content about it and the more... I learn about it, the more I like about it. It's, it had an Andrew Green renovation in 2020. Course type, of course, classical Parkland. I've classified it as technical in its scoring. I expect the the standard PGA Championship that we've seen recently score of, what, well, 8 to 10, 11 under par winning it. Mm. It's yeah. also long. And when I say long, it doesn't sound long at 7,394 yards. But it is a par 70, which features two par 5s, both of which are over 600 yards in length. Holes with water hazards 6. The water hazards tend to be a creek that run through the course. The fairways, we're talking of course northeastern golf here in the United States, so they are bent grass with poana. The rough, your typical northern United States, ryegrass, bluegrass and tall fescue. I did see some rather juicy pictures of Ruff for the first time yesterday yeah. come up on yeah. social media. Yeah, strange for a PGA Championship. That's normally ahead of the uh, US Open. But we yeah, it wasn't Kevin of, uh... Nall. <laughs> no. Oh, Kevin Nall loves those little vids, doesn't he? He does, just before, yeah. just before he misses the cut. He's missed a trick this week. He has. The greens. Now, I think these greens are relatively small for the length of the golf course. Four and a half thousand square feet. They feature pure bent grass. So as of now, on the PGA Tour in 2023, we've only seen two courses with bent grass. One of them, of course, Augusta National. The second one, the AT&T Byron Nelson, which is taking place this week. The Birdie Fest down in Dallas, Texas. I, love, I, got, I just got to say, it's a great course. It's hosted three US Opens, 56, 68 and 89. It's also hosted three PGAs, 80, 2003 and 2013. Plus the 95 Ryder Cup. The 2023 PGA, though, will be the first time we've seen the new East course, which has been facilitated by the renovation of Andrew Green. So, I don't think we're going to see the same kind of Jason Duffner-type plotter winner this year. Because, going back to 13, this golf course was absolutely surrounded by trees. Very, very claustrophobic golf course that really did take away any power benefits of the top players like a Rory McIlroy. It was all about mm. positioning. It was all about metronomic approach play. And Duffner absolutely 
dominated on that basis. I don't think we're going to see that this year. This golf course has been expanded. It's also been... Um, <laughs> the renovation basically has taken out, I've been told, over six to 700 trees. So it looks a lot more wide open off the tee. Yep. Yeah, you can you can see that from the what's some of the flyovers that are out there, and you know, yeah, I vaguely remember Duffner winning back well a decade ago, and uh, it just looks looks like a different course. It's it's much more exposed. Yes, there's still trees on the estate, but it's far more exposed than it was ten years ago. Um, and yeah, I, it would suggest that it's going to play entirely differently. They've effectively recarved a. You know, a different course out of it, or the you know, the original Donald Ross um, kind of thought process, I guess, with the with the course design in the first instance. Uh, yeah, should should present a different challenge. I'd have thought. If you say to me Donald Ross golf courses, and if you've got a notepad ready, listeners, and you want a list, this is a, this is all available in my PGA Championship preview article, which I put a link to in the description box with the podcast. Uh, Paul has also, or will put a link on the homepage so that we, we you can click through easily from the, the front homepage of the website. If you want a list of Donald Ross courses, here they are. Aronimink, 2010-2011 AT&T National. Also hosted the 2018 BMW Championship. Now, I know one of those first two was won by Justin Rose, who went on to win the US Open at Merion. I also know the 2018 BMW Championship was won by one Keegan Bradley Barry. Your old mucker. Or is he my old mucker? I, tend to I don't know. Up, I tend to put him up far too often. He never does anything for me. Mm. It's like it's a, it's a miracle the guillotine hasn't fallen on him to put him on the uh, mm. the post-it note of doom. It's like a cat. How many lives has he got? <laughs> See if I put yeah. him up this week for the PJ and he lets me down yet again, maybe that's it. Oh, you could forgive him at a major though, couldn't you? Uh, Detroit Golf Club, where they play the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Now, that, that might seem a complete red herring, but that was won one year by the buccaneering Bryson DeChambeau. And Bryson DeChambeau won the US Open recently, didn't he, at winged foot? And I can definitely see a little bit of winged foot in this golf course. Yeah. Patrick that. Reed's also got a reasonable record at that Detroit Golf Club as well at that Rocket Mortgage Classic. So that... Might, I, I wouldn't just look at those leaderboards and completely discount them. Of course, there's really two main golf courses that Donald Ross is famous for. One is East Lake Country Club, where they play the Tour Championship every year. How how you build that now into your analysis with this ridiculous scoring system they use, I don't know. Maybe just look at the 72-hole scores for players that really do get on well at East Lake. The other one is Pinehurst Number 2, where they played the 2014 US Open. I don't see a lot of similarities between this golf course and Pioneer's number two, which is clearly Sandbelt down in the Carolinas. So don't see a lot in that one. They also played the 2011 and 2015 Barclays at Plainfield in New Jersey. And the other one that's a regular on the PJ Tour every single year 
Siwoo Kim Country, Sedgefield Country Club, Wyndham Championship. They are all Donald Ross courses. If someone asked me, Steve, with all of your knowledge of golf architecture and the PGA Tour and, and golf courses in the United States, what is the number one thing about a Donald Ross course that signifies it is Donald Ross? I would say green complexes that tear from back to front. And this golf course has got loads of them. Mm. The ubiquitous words from a golfer, and you will read them in interviews before the uh, off this week, you have to play from under the hole. See a lot of that. I love the golf course. I think it's a cracker. I really do. Um, there is lots of more detail around it. I mean, we're talking about two par fives that are over 600 yards. I think they'll go for the one on the front side. The one on the second side, there's a creek that runs through just about 300 yards off the tee. I think that's going to force a lot of them to go three wood off the tee and just play it three shots. You're going to have to be a brave boy when it's nine degrees Celsius to be lashing it over 310 <laughs> over that creek with a driver. Yep. So I've got, a, I've got a feeling that these par fives this week are going to be three shotters to pretty much all of the field, especially the second one. Maybe not the first. I think the first one's attackable for the long guys. But yeah, beautiful golf course. The, the greens here, they tend to be on... I'd, I'd describe them as rotund. They tend to be on upslopes. They tend to be above the fairway. They tend to be on their own kind of mounds. They are very rectangular and square in shape. And they are surrounded by some of the most devilish bunkering you will see. Because, because of that way that they're elevated. The bunkers here look pretty, pretty serious to get in. And a lot, you know, you're going to get a lot of tucked pins behind bunkers on this, on this test. So again, if you can find players that are decent in terms of sand saves I'm not sure that's going to be a bad look either that's a double negative so what I mean is I think that will be a good look mm. a yeah. lot of the fairway bunkering as well is pretty penal I mean I've read and I've heard that some uh, a, a predominant amount of the fairway bunkers you're in a situation where you could at least have a half shot penalty to a full shot penalty Yep. Fair, the fairways themselves, Andy Lack told me, 27 to 28 yards wide on average. So not overly penal, but certainly not wide. I'm just trying to pull up a, a sheet that would give us some kind of comparison on that. Uh, Harbour Town, 22 yards wide at 300 yards carried, so wide in that. You're kind of looking, uh, I don't know, TPC Sawgrass wide, they're about 30 wide. So the, uh, Bay Hill's 33, but they're not overly wide, but the, the issue you're going to have here is clearly bunkering, and then you've got the thick, lush rough that they're going to put in play. And if you go super, super wide, there's lots of knee to mid-waist high, tall fescue. Could be another one of these scenarios, you know. 
I, I do get the feeling with this chaps that this could be a winged foot scenario where don't miss the fairway by a couple of yards, miss it by 20 and getting all the trampled down mess and you're in decent decent situation. I, yeah, I get that. Um, I, I can see the winged foot comparison quite quite clearly. I, you know, you think back to how Bryson attacked that and, uh, and Matthew Wolfe, who was uh, second that week, wasn't it? Um, they were just super aggressive. And you can see how in a world where it's going to be difficult to hit fairways for a lot of the players, you know, they, they are tight. Um, and yes, it's likely to be relatively soft on the fairways. So um, balls are, are less likely to be running through into the rough. But if you're mm. wide... Um, and you're playing out the rough, then it's going to be far more beneficial to be 50 yards further up playing out of the rough than 50 yards further back playing out of the rough. Yeah. Uh, and in that respect, I, I guess there'll be a school of thought that says if you go out there and just aggressively attack every hole and take your chances, you hit fairways, fantastic. If you miss fairways, then you're going to be kind of gouging out with... Um, with far more loft in your in your hands and, and giving yourself a chance of actually holding these these greens as well. We'll see how it pans out, but yeah, I I, I get the analogy with winged foot and the way that that was attacked, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of the similar names on the leaderboard, uh, you know, in and around the leaderboard this week as well. We shall see. Other things that I noted. Uh, because of these raised green complexes, the amount of false fronts on these greens is just mega. So you can literally hit an approach shot and the difference between a yard, half a yard, can be either a great approach shot or one that rolls 30 yards back onto the fairway. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that going on. Also, a lot of the greens, it would appear, have got a scenario where there's some pretty thick, lush rough towards the rear of them. But in front of them and around them, and especially around, um, you know, around uh, the run, there's lots of shaved runoff areas. Which again, we saw, I mean, that's becoming quite typical now, isn't it? We saw a lot of that at both Brookline last year and also at Southern Hills. You know, some of these runoff areas go 30, 40, 45 yards back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Pitch. But, yeah, you got it. So, again, might be something to look into, say, scrambling from over 30 yards, some kind of number like that. Mm-hmm. Bit of Patrick Reed wizardry around the greens, or from off the greens at least. Fitzpatrick, maybe. I think you're going to need a lot of. It does. It suggests to me it's, it's a lot of all-round game. I, I think the the, the emphasis, um, quite rightly, um, from the from the comments so far from the media, from the you know social media, has been. A focus towards driving, um, driving distance combined with driving accuracy, so strokes gain off the tee, total driving, those kind of stats. Um, but it is heavily bunkered, and um, particularly around the greens. 
Um, and you are going to be playing either from some thick rough around the greens, or as you said, kind of from these uh, these aprons and potentially 30, 40, 50 yard pitches in. So yeah, um, tight lies, collection areas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of suggests that there's going to be different ways to, to get around this. You know, some players will be able to hit a lot of greens um, and compile a score that way in a kind of metronomic fashion, whereas others will be able to use their short game skills to be able to uh, to save par or uh, you know on the on the par f- on the two par fives get themselves potentially in position to make birdie from you know from off of the green. You've looked a lot of this, Barry. What do you? What do you? What are your take? You know, we we know that you love you love your golf course design. What are your takes on the East Course at Oak Hill, from your research to date? It's I mean, it's always hard to tell how, you know, how something's going to play. But it, this one feels like it could play reasonably equitable, and that different styles or different types of players can. Can compile a score, um, assuming the the weather doesn't go crazy or the wind doesn't really kick up. But yeah, I, I, naturally length is always going to be an advantage. But I think you could, you know a mid range hitter can still can still compete and challenge. Like nobody's going to have a huge percentage of fairways hit this week because they're they're quite narrow. So. Yeah, that that like that length advantage you said, like going, you know, coming out of the rough with a bit more loft will be um, be very welcome for those guys who have that distance off the tee. Mm. Mm. It's it's a tough. It feels like there's. It's harder to narrow down the field for a PGA, particularly this one uh, this year. I suppose it's the, as it's right now, but. Kind of strong, yeah. I, that's where I'm kind of just looking at like strong and all round in all departments right now. Like, I don't want to see somebody who's struggling with their putter, you know, because you're going to have to scramble a good bit this week, no matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think you're going to get these like crazy high eighty percent greens and reg this week. If you do, it might be one or two. So yeah, scrambling and and like that, yeah, mid range scrambling distance. I think you guys have pointed out. Um, could be quite applicable because if, if you do miss the fairways and you're kind of gouging a bit out of the rough you might not be able to reach the green you're going to leave yourself those funky distances yeah i think yeah i don't think these green uh, one of the things that andy and i discussed in the, in his podcast this week i don't think these greens are overly funky they're definitely tiered front to back they're nothing like augusta national if you can get the ball in the right quadrant with that approach shot, most of the putts are quite flat. Little, you know, little breakers, especially if you can keep the ball under the hull. I don't think the putting surfaces themselves are too funky. I think this golf course really, to me, screams, screams approach. You know, dis- uh, it's, it's it's approach distance control, isn't it? It really yeah, it. But you are going to get yourselves in trouble, and that's the thing. When you get yourself in trouble and you hit one of these false fronts and the ball rolls 30 yards, can you get up and down? If you do catch a bunker, can you get that sand save? Can you keep the momentum going with that sand save to make par? It does It does feel like... It feels to me very like Beth Page Black, the PGA Championship that, that, um, that Kepka won. 
Mm -hmm. I think this course is very, very similar. The time of year is exactly the same. The geography is exactly the same. Yeah, it's long as well, isn't it? Best yes. Um, that was a 7,459 past 70 Bethpage. Mm. Bethpage tends to play just a little bit tougher and I... I wouldn't put the winning score quite as tough as that this week. So I think I think you're right in your kind of assertion there that players who can find, you know, the putting surface in regulation or you know, the proximity is good enough to give themselves a chance will make birdies. It's just will you make enough birdies to offset the the bogeys that are made from when you do miss the miss the fairway when you find a bunker, as you say, you know, the, the fairway bunkers are, are you know. Are, proportion of a shot penalty in their in their own right um, and if you're not getting up and down from around the greens as well then uh, it's, there's there's bogeys to be found everywhere um, but yeah if you, you can offset that with sufficient birdies then uh, you know probably maybe the eight ten yeah under that kind of number isn't isn't unattainable here's one for you eight of the last 10 PGA championships have been won by by a player whose driving distance all drives was within the top 20 when arriving at the golf course he won at. The two exceptions, Colin Morikawa, who we were on at Harding Park, which was, for me, not a standard PGA Championship no. setup. No, no, it's far short. The other one, Phil Mickelson in that absolute wind blast fest at Kiowa. Which again, I think, is an exception rather than a rule. For yeah, me, I still there, think that power off the tee is going to be a feature of the person that actually wins this this week. Mm. Yeah. You can go back to Keegan Bradley at Atlanta Athletic in 2011. Even he ranked in the top 30 driving distance on arrival, all drives. And when I've just looked at the current metric, that takes you down to, I believe, top 30 would be one is Justin Thomas and the other one, who I found very interesting. And this might actually go back to, uh, this might go back to our lead-in um, preview in terms of Patrick in Canada who says, oh, you're, you know, you're subtle bias towards UK and Irish players. Matt Fitzpatrick's in that top 30 for driving distance all drives this season. Yeah, for me the courses Barry mentioned it as well. The courses I like that I think there's definite links to visually correlating courses. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Wingfoot. I also saw a bit of Brookline in this from last year, the U.S. Open, and I think Beth Page Black. And this is another thing I think we need to get out there, and I think this is going to be absolutely critical. I'll read it for my preview. The key for punters, though, will be to dissect the, in detail the weather and what course conditions will be in play during May. Indeed, it's well worth mentioning Oak Hill's New York State location. With the banks of Lake Ontario within six miles, this is a very northerly location for a mid-May hosted PGA. Snow will have still been on the ground in mid-March, and with snow melt, snow melt saturating the local water table, plus plenty of precipitation as temperatures increase in early spring, you cannot see the earth at the east course playing anything else 
but are extremely long with limited or no run on the fairways. Now I looked into that, March 2.81 inches of rain here in Rochester, April 4.07 inches, May to date three quarters of an inch of rain. Have to say, the uh, the, the last um, five days hasn't been any rain and it doesn't look like there's a lot of rain in the forecast building up to the actual start of the tournament. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I don't know, let, let's see, it's, it's pointless talking about the weather at this stage. But I don't think you're going to see bounding drives running 25, 35, 40 yards down the fairway. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So yeah, I, I still think it plays ultimately to the longest in the field. Yeah, particularly with the removal of the trees, it's it's made it more of a... It, it opens it up for the longer hitters to, to take a chance on a lot of these holes that they wouldn't ordinarily have had a chance to do in its uh, 2013 guys anyway. I'm just taking the glance. I'm using Wind Finder, as I always do. Rochester, that's the tower that we're using. And, yeah... Seven days away. Take it as it will. But you can help me here, Paul. The warmest temperature I am seeing for the Thursday is 15 degrees Celsius. What is that in Fahrenheit? 59. So, yeah, not warm. In the morning, it's stating 8 a.m., 6 degrees Celsius. <laughs> yeah, so the snoots will be out, won't they? Okay. We move to Friday. The warmest of the four days, apparently, 23 degrees Celsius mid-afternoon. What is that? Uh, 23.73. So, yeah, this will be pleasant. Apparently, gusting 25 miles an hour. Mm, not so From pleasant. the south-west. Again, in the morning for the early starters, a little bit warmer, 11 degrees Celsius. Now, I can remember Beth Page Black absolutely vividly i can remember when that tournament started they were taking a lot of the players out to number 10 tiger woods started there and it was i can remember it was cold the golf course was just covered in that dew you get when it's yeah, yeah. and it that golf course played as long as you wanted and the amount of bogeys was just intense i can just see this being exactly the same across thursday and friday long as you like and it's just about minimizing mistakes and it's that major championship ability to aim 30 yards away from the pin take the two putts get out of town on a lot of these holes early morning uh saturday uh let's forget about the early starters by the middle of the afternoon the warmest temperature apparently 11 degrees celsius What's that in Fahrenheit? 52. So, yeah, it's, um, it isn't, isn't pleasant, is it? Very and Sunday, European. 12 degrees Celsius. Yeah. This golf course, boys, is going to play long as you like. Mm. Yeah, if you're getting no help from the, uh, the air temperature in terms of length either, then uh, 
yeah, it just I think backs up the assertions that have already been made on the, the pod so far, which is going to be uh, it's going to aid the longer hitters in the field um, and give them an advantage. Simple as that. As we always say, forecasts are forecasts. They're, they're a week away. We're recording this Friday noon in the UK. So this could have completely changed when you were listening to this podcast, but that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, I've got some data here. Let's move away from the course, I suppose. We have Paul pulls together, and Paul, you do a fantastic job blowing smoke up your posterior. Um, you do a fantastic job with the data. And one of the data things that I absolutely love that you do for the majors is our look at average score of players in majors going back to 2017 Masters. Mm-hmm. I'll take you through the top 10, shall I? Kepka is at 1, 70.12. Scotty Scheffler, 2, 70.35. Colin Morikawa at 3, 70.56. Rory at 4, 70.57. And then Xander at 5, 70.62. So, yes, you're correct. Between Kepka in first and Xander in fifth, there is a half shot per round difference in their major championship performances mm-hmm. going back to 2017. That's yep. crazy. This is, John players Rob- who've, sorry, play- this is for players who've made, uh, was it three plus appearances, I think? You got it. Yep. Doesn't include Luke List or. Yeah, it just takes out the outliers that pop up in the data as a result. Henny Duplessis or... <laughs> John Rahm's at six, DJ at seven, Spieth at eight. We don't know if he's going to play, wrist. And then two tied for ninth. Tony, Fina, and Hideki Matsuama. For those of you wondering, JT is at 11. Victor is at 12. Justin Rose sneaks in in 13. Patrick Reed, 14. Tommy Fleetwood, 15. Only 14 of those players are within, a, on average, a shot per round at a major within Brooks Kepka. Mm. Patrick Cantlay for listeners, because I know lots of people fancy Patrick Cantlay this week. Quite rightly, looking at the course looking at the geography, looking at where he's performed well. He sits T19 in that analysis. 71.39. It'd be interesting to slice that data. I mean, we could start to slice that potentially to more recent majors, say from 2020 or whatever, just see what the, how the numbers change. But the narrative there is that Brooks Kepka is an absolute major championship metra nomic player and that that includes so many majors where he's basically playing on one leg with a knee injury mm. yep outstanding scotty yeah. scheffler's numbers are outstanding as well aren't they clear second spot hmm i'm through i'm throwing this out there for background more than anything i, I found those interesting statistics yeah, I think it's, it's, it's always interesting to look because some players, and Brooks is a great example of a player who has historically raised his game for the majors. and you know, He's going to be super popular next week, and uh, quite rightly so. He's playing some good stuff over on Liv. Um, you know, played for three rounds particularly well at Augusta. Um, father-to-be now. Uh, you know the, the positives that can potentially come from that. There's uh, there's a lot to like, and his prices 
understandably taken a taken a cut from where he was at the Masters, but um, that's not to say that he should be disregarded because I really don't think he should. A lot of game for it this week, next week. Mm. I agree. Uh, do you want winged foot 2020 leaderboard? Shall I, uh, we, we we mentioned that because we're saying comparisons to winged yep. foot. I suppose let's let's take you through that that leaderboard. Deschambeau, Matthew Wolf, Louis Oosthuizen, Harris English, Xander was top five. DJ Will Zalatoris T for tied six. Then T eight Finau, JT Webb Simpson, Zach Johnson, Rory McIlroy. Uh, I'll also take you through that 2019 leaderboard, which was at uh, Beth Page Black, Kepka 1, Dustin Johnson 2. I'll never forget that closing round on Sunday with the crowd chanting, DJ, DJ, and getting behind them. And Brooks almost cracking. T3, Cantley, Spieth, and Matt Wallace. Luke List at 6. Sung Kang, of all people, at seven. Tie for eighth. There were plenty of them. Kuchar, Lowry, McElroy, Scott, Eric Van Ruyen, Gary Woodland. I think two meaningful leaderboards there. I really yep, do. Potentially. Yep. Potentially, yes. Uh, Northern Northern Eastern US recent winners. We don't tend to visit these parts that often, so I thought I'd just make a list of top five finishers at tournaments that have been up in the Northeast United States. So, you know, similar agronomy. Um, a couple of them, uh, Delaware... Uh, Delaware, you could argue, uh, is not technically in the north, northern eastern United States when you look at Wikipedia, but it's literally like, uh, like 10, 10 yards over the border. So let's start the 2022 BMW Championship. Wilmington Country Club. Patrick Cantlay won that. Stallings, Scheffler and Xander were in the, um, the high spots there in terms of place. 2020 Travellers, Cromwell, Connecticut, Highlands, River Highlands. Xander won that one last year. JT Poston and Sahith Tigala were in the places. 2022 US Open, the Country Club, Brookline, Massachusetts. Matt Fitzpatrick naturally won that one. Scheffler again. Zalatoris doesn't play. Matsuama was in the top five that week. I'm including the 2022 RBC Canadian Open. They played that, of course, in St. George's, Toronto. Yeah, 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 that's in Canada, Steve. Yes, but it's literally over the other side of Lake Ontario. So let's include that one as well. In that one, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, Justin Rose. We then go to 2021, the Northern Trust, Liberty National. Tony Finau won that. That was a huge breakout victory for Finau. He beat Cam Smith, John Rahm, Tom Hoagie, Alex Noren, Justin Thomas. 2021 Travellers Championship, Cromwell, Connecticut. That was won by Harris English. Kramer Hickok, Abraham Anser. I'll go one last one. 
2020 Nor Northern Trust, they played that at TPC Boston, Massachusetts. That was the one that where Dustin Johnson run just literally ran and hide. I think he shot like something like 30 under. Harris English again, Kevin Kisner, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm in the places. Just press the rewind button if you're making a note of those, so you can put it down. There's a lot. There's a, there's a quite a few names there that repeat themselves a few times. Yeah, there's all Players listed that on your play um, well in this kind of graphical location. Yeah, there's all listed on your um, pre-event preview as well, aren't they? The research preview article. So uh, can have a dig through that. Talk to me, Barry. Talk to me. What's going? What's, what's going around in your uh, in your brain right now? What you're having for lunch, or <laughs> what are you having for lunch, I, I, by the way? I'm on like I'm on Hideki this week. You are the bent grass greens again. <clears throat> I, I I think I might just you know roll it over and get into them next week as well. <clears throat> I. I I'm searching for a bit of value. We've had a lot of shorty price winners this season for the you know the vast majority. Anyway, this at mm. least in 2023, so uh, could be complete fool's errands trying to find something with a, a bit of value there. But uh, yeah, the the chase is kind of fun to try find that. Nine to one, Ram, the Masters. Uh, let's go back. Cam Smith, 25 to 1, the Open Championship. Matt Fitzpatrick, 25 to 1, the US Open. Justin Thomas, 16 to 1, the PGA Championship last year. Scotty Scheffler, 16 to 1, the Masters. Last five major prices. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of in keeping with the uh, what we've seen largely, uh, well, both sides of the Atlantic in terms of winning prices this calendar year so far has been a lot in that kind of 25, 28 to 1 and shorter bracket. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of, you know, kind of makes sense when you consider that, um, and again, this is part of your part of your preview, you talked about how um, most of the winners of the uh, PGA Championship are coming off pretty warm or pretty hot form, particularly on their last start. So, you know, kind of top 30 or better finish on, on the last start um, is a pretty good uh, pretty good place to, st to start your analysis. I, mean, I, think the, I think the only one in relatively recent times who's kind of fallen outside of that was Phil Mickelson. And he'd even flashed a little bit of form, hadn't he, on his previous start. I think he was first round leader. First round leader at quite yeah. Yeah, and then drifted away a bit. Way but out then if you there, pick, so yeah, 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 yeah. If you're picking, yeah, if you if you're looking for players um, who have that pretty immediate form, then generally they're going to be, uh, you know, a relatively short price. Um, but you know, that's, it's about finding the winner. So if that's the case, and you pick up a twenty-five or twenty-two to one winner, Xander. I, for me, Xander pops up in an awful lot of the analysis I've done so far. I've got to say. Um, you talked about Eastlake. He's you know one there. He's seventy-two hold leader. Um, it's yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's more uh, Donald Ross form as well. Aronimink twenty eighteen. He finished third. 
New York hosted majors since 2018, 6th, 16th, 5th for Xander. So he's been there or thereabouts. And we know he lifts his game for these major championships. He's playing some great stuff. I think I said to you, Barry, at the Masters, just, just eyeballing his swing. He seems to be swinging the, ball, swinging the club fantastically at the moment. Mm. Really strong. Um, so yeah, I, you know, these, these anti-post markets aren't for me, um, particularly the way they are at the moment. But um, I'll be interested to see what kind of price and each way terms combination I can get on Xander next week, because he may well be in my uh, in my thought processes for that. Well, it's certainly in my thought processes, but it may be in my team. He's twenty eight on the exchange. Mm. That kind yeah. of, you know, that has to be appealing for Mister Twenty Two. When you can get him more than that, if if you're keen on backing him, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love like, to see twenty eights and uh, yeah, extended yeah, places. That yeah, I the one thing. Just looking at the just looking at odds checker here. There's you know you've got the top three, or you've got sorry, you've got Ram and Scheffler there, and then Rory just a little bit behind. Then you have twelve guys in this like twenty to thirty bracket, which kind of. I don't know. It says to me that the the bookies haven't really got a grasp on, on who might actually you know whose preference you know who's preferential to somebody else. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's wide open in that respect. Can I throw a, throw a trend at you, Steve? And oh, please do. We love up, a trend. Well, one that I've picked up in the past, and I'm sure I've mentioned it at PGA Championships. But where there was a Masters tournament played in the year before the US PGA Championship, so this excludes the COVID year, every winner, all the way back to Keegan Bradley, who breaks the trend, from Keegan Bradley onwards, every winner had at least made the cut at the Masters. So it had played it and had at least made the cut. So reading backwards, Justin Thomas had finished 8th, Mickelson 21st, Kepka second and 39th, JT again 22nd, Jimmy Walker 29th, Jason Day 28th, McElroy 8th, Duffner 20th, McElroy 40th. Every winner had at least made the cut of the Masters. Now, trends are there to be broken, but there's some logic there. You know, someone who's come in has had a, has had a, a good look or a look of some description, a major championship, major championship field in that season so far, a few weeks before generally, then goes on to win. And if you apply that to this week's field, and Barry was talking about how do you cut the field down, if you apply that to this week's field, then you are... Well, I can tell you two. Yeah, yeah. You, you, Rory. you lose some big names. Yeah. JT. Yep. Any others? Bryson. Um, you know, right. you're talking about winged foot. I mean, Bryson missed the cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, Corey Connors um, is another one potentially, you know, you, you, you'd lop off there. Sadly, Ricky Fowler drops off because he didn't play the play the Masters either. So this, He didn't this, miss the cut. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't cherry pick your stats. He didn't miss the cut. Uh, but this is, I mean, they all played the Masters as well. And this is the point. It's having that uh. kind of a feeling of um, playing major championship golf in the relatively recent past. Um, and then actually, you know, get, getting four good rounds in there or four rounds in there at least. So, uh, so yeah, if you want to cut the field down to 50, just just pick the players that are in the field this week and made the cut of the Masters and use that as your first cut shortlist. I love these trends. Absolutely love them. You just think, though, that trend, again, would have been absolutely 
rinsed and hosed if Mito Pereira hadn't, hadn't ballsed up the 72nd hole last year at Southern Hills. Because <laughs> he clearly hadn't played the Masters. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Bad. I mean, it does. I mean, of, of, the, of the shorties at the top of the market, the two that I, I, I've got a red line through already were Rory and were JT. Mm. That's before you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, if it helps to, you know, and these things change, don't they? And there's a lot to like with Rory, um, even though the game seems to be a little bit off. And, you know, there's this narrative about him being an Oak Hill member is. Um, his missus is she lives in Rochester, doesn't she? Or she comes from Rochester. Yeah. Um, in terms of the course fit with the way that the um, renovations have favoured a certain style of golf, you know, Rory would seem to fit that nicely. Um, you know, relatively soft golf course. Uh, you, you could put it all together, but um, there's the niggling doubt about his underlying game at the moment. And yeah, if, if, if the if you believe these trends or we stick with these trends solidly then uh, you missed the cut of the Masters you lop him off the list hmm you just mentioned Mito as well I, I did a quick look into Mito's stats and he's been absolutely pounding greens in regulation I know we don't get a great deal of stats out of the live guys hmm. um, but um just reading through his last what, eight starts, eighth, first, fourth, second, first, eighth, twentieth, third for greens and regulations. So never outside the top twenty. Seven of those starts inside the top ten. Mm. He was eighth for greens and regulation at the Masters. His 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 um, strokes game ball striking numbers right now. If you ever had that statistic, would be in the mm. got to be in the top two or three in the world. Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely prolific. I'll tell you the other guys whose numbers just jump when you look at them is Kepkers. Yes. And I you know, we all have we all have our views on live, but if you, if you just look at the raw numbers of what Kepka has produced this year, you just see twenty twenty three one hundred percent motivated, one hundred percent driven to actually yep. achieve something at major championship level again. And fit as well. Yeah, yeah and fit. I think exactly. Barry mentioned it is you know, he's been approaching a lot of these major championships over the last few years, not in, you know, full health. There have been niggling issues that have been holding him back and he appears to be, you know, 100%. And that's that makes him a very dangerous animal in this, uh, in any major championship, particularly the PGA Championship and particularly one that would appear to, to suit, his, uh, suit his game. I've got some numbers here. We... Um, we have a brand new predictor model, Optimizer at Golf Betting System. You can use it free of charge. Um, within that, we have a par 70 number, which basically goes back five years, classifies those players in this week's field who have done best on par 70 setups. I'll take you through the top numbers, shall I? Brooks Kepka is number one. Rory McIlroy, two. Tie for three, and they're quite a significant chunk behind Kepka and McElroy. Dustin Johnson and Xander. Fifth, Justin Thomas. Sixth, Tony Finau, tied with Hideki. Seventh, Colin Morikawa. Eighth, Kevin Nahr, tied with Webb Simpson. Is Nahr in the field? I don't know, but Simpson is. Justin Rose, Matthew Fitzpatrick. 
tied with John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. Maybe Hideki's the way ahead, Barry. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've in a lot of these fields, leaderboards, numbers. Get into my slipstream, boys. I've backed him on the machine. Sixty. How much? Sixty on the sixties ex- on the exchange. Jesus. I've done it. And of course, you all know I've already I've also backed Ricky on the exchange. One hundred and twenty just couldn't <laughs> resist it. He's got the motivation from missing the Masters. Like this, I probably back Ricky more than any Irish person. So there's, that's my anti bias. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he compensating for it there, Barry. He's playing phenomenal golf. He's playing such great golf at the moment. So mm. what what a way to return to winning to actually to do it at a major. Just it would just lock all conversations about him away forever. Can you just recap, Barry? If you, have you got the exchange up there? I do. What what players are directly below Matsuama in terms of shorter on the machine? Okay, with Cam Smith, fifty fives, DJ Gooch are both fifty fives. <clears throat> Jason wow. Day is fifties. Sam Burns forty six. Max is forty four. Morikawa, 38, as is yeah. Sung J.M. Uh, Fitzpatrick, 36. Yeah, that's enough. Speed, yeah, there we go. So, so you've got a horribly out of form DJ that doesn't seem to practice at all these days, just out on his boat in mm. Florida. And you, there's, there's, there were a couple of names there. They, they've got no major history whatsoever of them in terms of results. And you've got, you've got a Masters winner there at 60s. Mm. Mm. A lot to be said for it. Who also top five at the US Open the last time they played uh, there in, in Massachusetts last year. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. It's just it's always this fitness that concerns me. I'm sure there were whispers of you know a possible injury again yesterday. So just oh, no. something to keep an eye on. Well, as he I shot seven under. Yeah, but these things, you know, if there's just a niggle there... Um, well, especially you know, with it, these cold weather conditions. Yeah. Does it affect him? You know, is, is it just a, a red herring? I don't know. It's, it, you just don't, I, I, I'm overly wary with Matsuyama. That's perhaps perhaps, um, perhaps wrong. You know, perhaps players can put up with these little ailments and still perform. Well, it's funny, wasn't it? Tiger, you know, Tiger with his injuries and his surgery and whatever, you know, if there was one location and time of year that wasn't going to suit Tiger Woods, it's May in Rochester, New York at the PGA Championship. Mm. And that, 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 that is an angle with some of this. I mean, Patrick Cantlay. Does Patrick Cantlay go well in cold weather conditions when the guy's always rumoured to have serious back problems? There's all these kind of things that you've got to try and build into the mix. Yep. Don't know. And then he, but then he finished third at Beth Page, didn't he? <laughs> that one in 2019. So, yeah, there's, there's lots to think about over the coming days. I think that's the thing with this with this uh, research podcast. It throws up more questions than answers. <laughs> they always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But if he gets the thought processes going, moving in the right direction, Steve, then it's served a purpose. And hopefully Absolutely. it's served a purpose for the punters and listeners as well. Exactly. For both for us three and for the listeners, and that's the key. Mm. Of one thing about the course that's just kind of gnawing away at my head in the background. On. So on the subject of the bunkers, let's say particularly the greenside ones, they're, you know, with the elevated greens, there's a serious amount of depth to them. Absolutely. Um, and so part of that is me wondering what, you know, what kind of sands they have in there. If it's sands that makes it difficult to get a lot of spin on the ball, you're, you're, it's going to be difficult to get the ball very close to the pins and you're going to end up with a lot of these six to ten foot range puts. So I just wonder, there's definitely a scrambling angle there, but I wonder whether the elite bunker player's advantage will be as pronounced this week when if, if the sand is a difficult type of sand to get yourself close to the pin on. I don't know if that's far too nuanced, but it just popped in my head and I just kind of spoke before We need to be sending a DM to Andy Lack, who pl- <laughs> go, who's played this course and, on a few a few times. Hmm. Just going back to the course, actually, before we shut this down, I did, I mean, this is all based upon my analysis on the internet and experience of looking at the course and whatever. I, I was comparing approach distances at Oak Hill to what we saw at Southern Hills last year and trying to get a view of what key approach distances we're looking at. And I revisited this this morning, looking at the cold weather conditions and trying to assess that, you know, we're not going to be hitting the ball 340 yards carry here because it's going to be eight degrees degrees Celsius into into a headwind on some of these holes. So I've tried to do it as realistically as I can. The one thing I did note that's slightly that's different to Southern Hills, even though Southern Hills was a longer golf course, 7,500 yards plus, that it makes sense that there were more longer 200-yard-plus approaches last year. I, I count five holes last year at Southern Hills where approaches were 200-plus. This year, I'm, I'm counting three. So that makes a level of sense, yes. There were also seven approaches last year at Southern Hills that were I classified between 100 and 125 yards, yeah? Mm-hmm. So seven plus five, 12 of the 18 were either sub-125 or over 200. Well, this year it looks like there's six holes that are sub-125. So all of a sudden, that 12... Uh, that, those 12 holes at Southern Hills that were either sub-125 or more than 200 become, this year, nine holes. Which means we're looking at more mid-to-long irons. And actually, last year, there were four holes with approaches between 150 and 200. This year, there's seven. So I'm just going to look at the nuances of that and that's going to feature with different kinds of players. You know, mm. Players that I'm seeing that are exceptionally strong from 175 to 200 and 200 plus potentially have an advantage here. And if you can get the odd elite player that's fantastic sub 125 as well and can bomb it and is good from the sand, <laughs> we could be onto a winner. 
That's your man. And it's going to be Scottish Sheffield and John Rahm. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be that. Well, it sounds like there's some uh, in-depth research still to be done then, Stephen. Yeah. But that, that, those nuances interest me. Mm. They interest me because actually when we look, when I, when I recap to last year at Southern Hills and there was that differential between sub-125 and over 200... Justin Thomas was sub was in the top ten for proximity, one hundred to one hundred and twenty five, and he was in the top thirty for proximity two hundred plus. And Mito Pereira was in the top fifty for both, and Zalatoris, who finished second, was fourth for for uh, approaches above two hundred, and in the top sixty for approaches from within one hundred and twenty five with a wedge. So there's kind of some method to the madness. All three of those that challenged for the victory had the prerequisite numbers in those two Mm. approach buckets. And clearly, take Perea out, the other two add that long driving distance, all drives as well, Zalatoris and Thomas, that you seem to need for a PGA Championship winner on a classical PGA Championship setup. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this afternoon, actually, starting to dig into some of this detail. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where your analysis takes you for next week. When it throws up John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler on everything. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody else. <laughs> Fantastic. I think that's us done then, chaps, is it? Yep, more work to do then. And uh, back on... Uh... Back on Tuesday for our final picks pod. Back on Tuesday, absolutely. Um, we've just done over an hour, so that's about right. Don't forget, listeners, please don't forget, if you could spare those three minutes to fill in that online questionnaire and uh, the Smart Betting Club survey. There, there's questions on there like best bookmaker and um, worst bookmaker. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I know... I know uh, I, I spent some time yesterday afternoon doing it. I know you did, Paul. So if you could vote for us in those awards, we would greatly appreciate it. Right, I'll see you chaps next Tuesday for our PGA Championship Tips podcast. Happy research. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved all the stats and the tips and so much more cause it's the golf betting system the golf betting